G'day, countrymen. Welcome to Phoenix Rising, the Alec Dumaji Chronicles. I'm Alec Dumaji. Enjoy the show. G'day, countrymen, wherever you are around Australia or around the world, via the uh, internet, I guess, via our podcast, we're reaching out to Turtle Island in Canada, uh, America, Mexico, uh, all of our families over in South America as well, big hello to all you mob if you're tuned in, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, we'd love to come visit your country sometime, because uh, I know a brother of mine that goes in there quite a bit and, and connects with all the native mob down there, and it's a special show today, because... Uh, I've got that very brother on the line. Um, we've known each other for quite a while now, and, and we're going to have a chat today about what's happening over on the Rosebud Res in South Dakota, uh, USA. They've just come out of one of their uh, most spiritual and most powerful ceremonies that they hold every year, known as the Sundance Ceremony. They've been doing uh, sweat lodge ceremonies with the NFP and, of course, the, uh, uh, the, the very special and, and very sacred uh, vision quest ceremonies as well. I think it's called, uh, I think it's pronounced from Blacha. But anyway, look, we'll get him on the line. He's been coming over to Australia for quite a bit. Uh, I've known him for a long, long time. He's a brother of mine and someone I hold very dear and special to my heart. So let's get into it and get him up here. Wopila Badhan, my brother from uh, Rosebud. You're on the line there, bro. Hey, brother. How, how are you doing? How's, how's everybody doing? I hope everybody's doing fine and good to hear from you, brother. You too. So tell me, uh, tell me what that means. Is, is that an introduction? Is that a hello? Or what, what, what does it stand for? Ah, uh, hoka hey, I guess it means uh it's a good day to die. <laughs> I, 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 Every day is a good day to die. That was there with our relatives, right? Yeah, brother. Yeah, <laughs> look, um a lot of our people down here in Australia will know who you are because you've been coming down here now to the the Frontier Days Festival up at Burketown and uh, Gregory, and you've been visiting Dumaji as well. So people up here regard you as their family, their son, their nephew, their uncle. Uh, you know, my mother certainly regards you as her son, and, you know, um, you and Murundu Clark, uh, pretty much formed a pretty close bond up there in Burketown, so you, you're like the little brother to Murundu. Um, uh, a greeting in your language, uh, obviously we say Mariganyi, which means, you know, Hey, hello, and we don't ever say goodbye. We, we we never say goodbye. It's always well. We're gonna see you again soon. So, what's what's in your tongue? Is it is right, it is right, it, is right. it, is it dogsha? Dogsha? It, it, uh, it, uh, dogsha? You know, to see again. Dogsha. means I'm gonna see you again. Beautiful. You know, and so we we've never really say goodbye. It's dogsha ke so so one of the things that we down here as Aboriginal people do, or First Nations, or native people to Australia, is we always introduce ourselves with our our, our tribe name, our, our clan name, our skin name, and I guess our totem. So for me, I'll say, you know, uh, my name is Jadbagala, that's my name, but I'm from the Wanyi, Gadawa, and Gangalita tribes. And my clans is the, uh, you know, the uh, Mumbalia clan for mother's side and uh, the uh, Wheelia Clyde for uh, a clan for dad's side, Wheelia, Mumbalia. Um, and then we go into, you know, that's our semi sort of moiety groups. Um, and and our, my skin name is Gamarangi, so that's my skin that I'm born with. How would, how would you introduce yourself? Because this is something that Native people do all around the world. We always introduce uh, who we represent, where we come from, and, and what our connection to land and to country is. So how would Wopila Badhand introduce himself uh, self to the rest of the world 
here on on the Phoenix Rising podcast? Well, I, I guess I would introduce myself as um, I guess, you know, it says, um, I greet you with a, you know, a, a warm, a warm heart, hearty handshake. Um, my name is Ghost Flying. My Lakota name is Ghost Flying. And uh, um, I come I greet all of you, all of my relatives, because we're all related in some way or another, you know, yeah. around the world. And, you know, so uh, I greet you with a, with a warm heart, hearty handshake, and introduce myself in my Lakota language. And, um... My Lakota name is Gionhia, which means ghost flying. Mm. And I always thought that was pretty cool, you know, because when I flew to Australia and I looked down from the wings of the airplane and I looked down, I'm like, wow, you know, hey, my name is me, ghost flying, because I, I was fortunate enough to fly around the world and see, see different things that a lot of our people here on a reservation never got to see. So through my eyes and my stories, my people have seen the world. That is so beautiful. That, that, that's and that's so that's so right. I mean, you and I have a similar path in 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 I guess uh, you know that that um, uh, that direction that we we've taken. You know, the path we've walked and and the journey we've been on. We've been able to be, uh, I guess, the the um, uh, connection and 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 those you know t- uh, sacred uh, song lines that connect our people through our stories. So when you go home and tell your stories, I do the same thing here and go home and tell my stories and it feels like we've already been connected and plugged into each other and, and, and we become we, we, we become family, you know what I mean? Right, 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 exactly. And just like when I, I went out there for the first time in Australia when we went to Bush, you know, I know I can eat, I could go four days without eating. I, now I know when you say grab some things, grab some things because <laughs> we end up, we ended up spend, spending more than four days out there, you know, and yeah, I ended up eating turtle, eating fish, barramundi for the first time. I've never eaten fish in my whole life. Should we go to Red Lobster? I don't eat fish. I'll order a steak. But, <laughs> but down there, yeah, it's survival, you know, adapt and overcome. I love the I, I love the story that when we took you back to our tribal land up a dry creek, you know, Gorumburu is the proper name for it, and and uh, and you were mum went fishing and got some fish and came back. Tell tell that story about what happened with mum and, and the day she went fishing. Well, hey, um, so I, I met mom and mom took me out to her old place out there. You know, brother took me out to the water there. We introduced ourselves to the elders and you know the spirits there. And then and then we were sitting there and mom was like, "Son, watch my fish." She said, "Uh, keep the fire going." I said, "All right." So. I put some wood on there and, you know, the fish was boiling and then mom headed out. She was gone, but she told me, keep that fire going. So I kept that fire going. I think that fish boiled about a hundred times. You know, I kept adding water to it too. And finally she came back and I said, mom, your, your, your fish is done. And I, I thought I knew hot, you know, I thought I, I knew uh, in the sweats over here, the sweat lodge is really hot and summertime it's hot, but. Australia, it's a different type of hot, especially when you're sitting in front of that uh, that old uh, 
cast iron stove and boiling with mom's fish when it's probably you probably about 120 out and you're sitting next to that fire keeping that fire going you're just sweating but hey when the elder tells you to do something you do it <laughs> so i i, I man my <laughs> i man my post tell, tell mom come back and she said uh okay I think it's done. I think it was done like hours ago. But <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I, I think what you and Mum ate that day was fish fish soup. <laughs> right. I think there was no, we boiled the meat down to nothing. I think <laughs> even the bones probably. <laughs> I think you boiled the bones all up, brother. Um, look, yeah, well, one, <laughs> it, it's so important that our, we listen to our elders. And one of the things that I do when I come over home, I always sit with your dad. You know, um, Uncle Adam and. And uh, Mum Mary Sue, who recently crossed over to the spirit world back in November, who I miss dearly, um, and and listen to their stories and spend time with them and and share their company because the wisdom that comes out of them is their lived experience. And you know, I find it very important that we we do that as as people to always sit with our old ones and and hear them. And and you know, they were the they were the original um, TikTokers and they were the original you know Twitter and Facebook and you know, television and radio because, right. because they, they were the storytellers. They, they were the keeper of the light, the keeper of the truth. And, and, and they still practice that sacred uh, ancient art of storytelling and, and passing on that knowledge and wisdom. You know, um, I think the, I think a lot, a lot of people can talk about knowledge and acquiring knowledge and anyone can acquire knowledge. You go to a library and pick up a book and you, and you all of a sudden you've got the knowledge of that thing, but wisdom is a different thing. You have to live it. You have to breathe it. You have to be a part of it. And wisdom only comes from lived experience and wisdom always comes from our elders. And it's just so powerful. So, you know, tell me a little bit about your journey around that. Um, with wisdom, yes, you know, I kind of become a, I guess, a fear of our people. I knew to keep them alive with our culture, our traditional way of praying, sun dance. And so I went out and, and I told him I would dance for him because I want him to live. The doctor said that he'd live for four months, but he ended up living for Four weeks, but he ended up living for four months. And in that time, you know, I've I went to Sundance, went up on the hill, had a vision quest, you know, and he he put me on on the hill and he told me he said you need to find your way in life. I'm not going much longer. He's so you need to find your way in life, you know, because I'm not going to be here. But I said always think people and love the people and said and take care of the people. They would always take care of you. And I truly believe, you know, that if you take care of people, should I, I could walk here and take and walk into anybody's house and if I ask for water, something to eat, a cigarette, they'll give it. Mm. It's a it, it's a it, it's a um, very powerful thing to, to, to be able to have family all around the world after you go on your journey and you spend time with them. Um, tell me, tell me a little bit about, right. uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, I guess, um, some of the different countries you've been to. I know you've been to Australia and we've had you only quite a bit and we're hoping to get you back very, very soon. Um, tell me, tell me where else have you visited? Well, I, actually, uh, I went down to, I went down to the Amazon. I went down to, uh, in, down in Brazil, you know, I have a, uh, an uncle down there. He's a Catholic priest. And I met him through, I guess he came up here from Italy, came to America to a seminary school in Chicago. And they came out here, I guess the lady who runs the place there is, uh, she's my auntie, my, 
my grandparents adopted her as, you know, their their daughter, and she, her name's Claude Marie. She come from, um, I guess, a concentration camp when the Jews were getting, you know, persecuted and all that. She survived after all her family, you know, got killed from America, and I don't know how the true story about how how all that come about, but she has a seminary school in in Chicago, and, and a group of they're learning to become priests and nuns, come out here and learn about our culture. And so Uncle Reno, I guess, gee, about 29 years ago or so, come here and he went down to South America. So he invited me to go down there and, and talk to the native people about uh, culture, language, and I guess self-identity. You know, it's like like for me, you know, um, my name is Kion Ia. Yeah, I means ghost flying. That's my Lakota name. My English name is Wokla Badhand. But a lot of our own people, they don't have a traditional tribal name. And a while back ago, some of our elders were talking about maybe that's why our our people are kind of lost because they don't have self identity. Yes. So yes. Uncle Reno ended up. Yeah, Uncle Reno ended up getting me down there to South America. And when I showed up there, I mean, well, I'm pretty dark. And when I got down there, you know, you, you see some native people that are just as dark as me, if not darker. And I asked them, are you native? They said, no. I said, really, you're not native? And the tribe I visited was the Patagari, Jini uh, Papo, Anasei, and Kepeba. Those are the names of the tribes that I visited over there. And, and they have some beautiful, beautiful uh, headdresses. You know, the macaw feathers, they, they consider the macaw like like we consider the eagle, like you guys consider the uh, what was it? Uh, well, well, there's the, the there's the eagle, the 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 wedge tail, and plus the the black cockatoo. The the litter. there you go, the yeah. black cockatoo. That, I, I I wore that feather there in my hair when I we had a funeral for Grandpa Lander Crowdog. I wore that feather that you gave me, you know, that black cockatoo, the the wedge tail eagle, and my um my. I guess bald eagle feathers. I wore those, all three of those in, in my hair. And I went down there and everybody was so amazed at uh, that uh, black cockatoo feather. Where'd you get that? And I said, it came from Australia. I said, my brother gave it to me. So we went down there and, and this little fellow was talking about he was not native. I mean, he wasn't proud to be native because it was pounded in their heads that it was bad to be native. Mm. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand it because I come here from Lakota country and you know, my great grandfather, Badhand, he he fought so cover and we took away the American flag and you know, we defeated the state government and I couldn't couldn't wrap it around my head why people would not want to be natives because I'm a very proud native. Mm. And so when I went down there and I was asking about that, you know, and I guess the they speak Portuguese down there. And so I was, I was wondering about, wow, you know, they asked me if I'm native, and they were looking at me because I walked up with my feds on, and they're like, "Are you native?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm native." Back then, I, I didn't have long hair. Now my hair is getting longer. I look more native than ever. <laughs> but anyways, uh, <laughs> and anyways, the, uh, the that little boy, you know, as years as I start, well, I haven't gone back for maybe three years or so because I've been spending a lot of time there in Australia, but. You see these native kids that either they're wearing their feathers, they're wearing their traditional headdresses, they're, you know, taking pride in their culture. And I said, you know, that's that's what makes us different 
from everybody around the world. I mean, as long as we know our language, we know our culture, we are still unique people to this world. Mm. But when our language and our culture is gone, then we become just like everybody else around the world. And maybe that, you know, I was thinking that, that, that that's why our, our youth are probably lost because they don't have a traditional name. They don't know who they are in this world. Yeah, it might be John, Bobby, you know, whatever. But to have a traditional name is going to make you unique to this world, you know. How, and I think that's something that we need to all respect. How do traditional names come about in the Lakota way of life? In, in the Lakota customs, how does a traditional name come to you? Well, like, like for my name, it was passed on to me from my grandfather, uh, my grandpa Gilbert Yellowhawk. When he passed away, my grandma Ollie, you know, gave me his name, you know, to carry it on for him. And I guess it was the, like the great deeds that you've done in life or, you know, sometimes elders would sit and they would, you know, watch how you carry yourself in life or, you know, what you've done for the people. And sometimes, you know, animals will come. Sometimes medicine men will give you, you know, like your name, the spirit will name you before you're even born. So like for me, Wokula, it means thank you. It's a, it's a ceremony in, in our culture, you know, whenever you you pray for something, for like good health or whatever, and you, you get your good health, you give a Wokula. Wopila, Wopila is like uh, like thank you very much. We we, we give thanks. Wopila, that's what Wopila right, means. Right. Yeah, it's, it's like heartfelt thank you. So I was born on Thanksgiving Day, so my grandparents named me Wopila. And so when I go around and people ask me what's your name, I say Wopila, and they say what's your first name? That is my first name. <laughs> oh, what's your last name? It's a bad name. <laughs> right? Lucky, lucky, <laughs> lucky! You wasn't born on Christmas Day, other your name would have been Chris Kringle. Right, right. And <laughs> I totally hate going to freaking the drive-through, and they said, "What's your name?" Oh, I say Ray. My boss. They say, "Look at that." How do you spell that? Oh, shit, I'm not even wasting time. Name's Bob. <laughs> My name's Bob. i got to call you Bob from now on. Bob, Bob from Australia. Right, <laughs> right. Tell me, tell me about uh, the, the. Okay, so the. I guess the Lakota people are split up in different bands as well. This is it's like clans. I guess like we got clans, we got bands. Um, the Lakota Nation. Uh, after the the victory at the Little Bighorn, which you just mentioned, you just mentioned the Bad Hand family, your last name, the Bad Hand family, were involved there. They they fought beside Crazy Horse and Chief Gall and Chief American Horse and and of course the Great Sitting Bull. So your family bloodline runs back to that defeat when you defeated the the American army and you you mentioned you took you 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 took the uh, American flag and you still have that somewhere around on the Rosebud Res or the Pine Pine Ridge Res I guess. Um, but what I want to uh, all, all the different bands. So there's Ogallala band. Uh, uh, Chichanku is is Rosebud. Is that is that correct? Yep, Chichanku. That's our band here. That's our band, brother. So Jigangu, that's that's a weird. That's that's our band at Rosebud. Um, uh, I think I think Crazy Horse was Ogulala and Sijangu, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Crazy Horse's father was from the Ogulala country, and his mother was a sister to Spotted Tail from my country. Awesome, awesome. So we got we've got we've got the warrior blood running through our veins then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Batman, he was one of the war chiefs that went up that way, followed along with us. Crazy horse and all that. They went uh, up from 
from here at Cookbook. I went up to go and fight uh, General Custer. What's the what's the he, seven? He was also sorry, bro. You go. He was also a, a treaty signer. I was looking at, at, at the, the treaty in 1868, 1851. Badhand went and signed both the treaties. So when the United States broke the treaties, he picked up because he was a war chief and went and fought him. So we've um, we've we've got blood ties, I guess. You and I, our similarities with our grandparents and our bloodline goes back to these real strong, powerful warriors that fought for freedom and fought for family and fought for land and you know fought for the um, I guess safety of our children and our future. So that's one thing that really connected you and I over the years, and and also I guess the ceremonies we do are so similar. You mentioned a few uh, um, as we were speaking. I want to I want to come back to those ceremonies, but firstly, just just to clarify. What are the seven bands of the Lakota Nation? Because here's, here's where people get a bit mixed up. I know a lot of people refer to the Lakota Nation as the Sioux, the Sioux people. Tell me about that word Sioux and where did that, where did that come from? Because you're, you're not Sioux, you're, you're Lakota. And tell me about the seven bands of the Lakota Nation. I guess um, for, for our people, the term Sioux was a French word that I, I can't remember the whole word of it, but it meant amongst the grass was a French word, and they cut it down to just two. But there is there is the the seven bands of the I guess we call it the Lakota, Nakota, and Dakota Nation. So it's three different dialects. So the Lakota Nation is on the the Missouri River, and there's uh, the Rosebud Band, Pine Ridge, uh, the Rosebud, so we see Changhu, Olala, uh, Mini Kanju. Mini Kanju, and then there's Hunk, Hunk Papa. Is Hunk Papa that's um, Sitting Bull? Yeah, the Hunk yeah, Papa is uh, Sitting Bull. And then you got Two Kettle was, was another one. And then on the eastern side of the river, you got the Sistens, are the system tribe, but I think they're called uh, Ihomstawas, or you know, I'm not too familiar with theirs because. Well, the, the, well, the six, the, the, is, I, I, I think the Sixton sit over towards Sioux Falls and 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 that area, yeah? Sioux, Sioux City. Yeah, yeah, so on the eastern side of the river, down in Sioux City, they speak the N dialect, and then up in the northern part of South Dakota, the Sistan people, they speak the D dialect. So it'd be like whoopee la, whoopee da, whoopee na. You know, so those, the only thing that changes is is the L, the D, and the N. So W-O-P-I-L-A is how you spell my name. But if you go up north, the assistant people will be the L, the turn to D. You go down towards, you know, the, I guess, the southern part of South Dakota, the L will turn into an N. Mm. So... You get the two dialects, or three dialects of the language, and mm. well, tell, t- tell not me. really too much. Sorry, where you go? Familiar with? No, I, I'm not too familiar with their language because mm. I, I was just listening to uh, a fellow uh, member, Alex uh, Fire Thunder. Yes, yes. He became a a pretty good uh, Lakota language teacher, and. You know, he's doing pretty good. I, I remember when I first met him and he came out from New York and didn't speak a word of our language and he took classes. And I mean, it, it's it's just that way. Like, our, our, if you really want to do something, you're going to do it. And 
like here in our reservation, we have a college and it was the first college on any tribal reservation. And it was a dream of our, um, yeah, our medicine men that dreamt that the only way that our people had a future was to learn the white man's ways. So they put here on Rosebud and from there kind of at a tribal college. And their thoughts were, uh, yes, more or less, our, our people, you know, we, we hate to leave home. You know, outside outside of home was very, very scary. And, and so we started college here so our people could get an education here on, on our own reservation and then also learn our own language. Because the way I think about it, like I can sweat sometimes, you know, when it's really hot, brother, and we're sitting there and, 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 you know, dad's talking and he's, you know, talking Lakota and he's praying for us. And then when he goes into English, I'm kind of like, oh my God. But, I mean, everybody reflects enough for to know our language. Mm. Not, and there's Google. I mean, there's English University. I mean, everything is right there at the tip of our fingertips, especially with our phones. Mm. And there should be no excuse why our people don't know our language, our culture, you know, and maybe, oh, prior. And sometimes I'm, I'm amazed by that. And, yeah. Like, I guess, I, 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 I guess, I guess, you know, uh, I, I heard this saying somewhere, you know, that uh, you take a man's tongue, you take his future, you, you, you take his tongue, you, you take his culture Pretty much, that's his connection. His tongue and his his native language, his native tongue, connects him back to the ancestors and to the old ones and to the spirit. And it connects him to the land as well. So it was a tactic by the invaders. And you know, I'm not just saying whites. There was also different invaders. There was there was uh, Spanish invaders. There was African invaders. There was all sorts of different invasions that happened. Obviously, the white man has uh, has a better record of it all, but there were certainly different cultures and creeds that have, that have invaded in, in, in you know uh, other countries. And the first, I guess, tactic was to take that tongue to to make you speak English or pork, you know, or, or their tongue, whether it was Spanish, English, French, you know, um, it, it was a it, it was a tactic to disconnect you, to uh, leave you in chaos like they've done now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and it, it, exactly. You know, like a. I've never knew my, my father's, I guess, her, his, his grandmother, but he told me stories about, you know, where she talks about there's going to be a time when, you know, they're going to gather the people and we're going to live like prairie dogs. And back in the day, you know, back in, like, I guess in the 30s, everybody lived out in the country. So when she was talking about that time, we live in towns. We live like prairie dogs downtown. And she talked about everything becoming plastic. And she talked about one day, she said, when the world's going to come to an end, it's going to come to chaos. She said, all oh, speak one language. And what is that one language? We're all learning to speak English. Mm. We're it's very true. And, it, you know, it, it, it's very true, brother. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sad... Um uh, I guess, look at uh, our lived reality right now. 
Um, let's 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 get let's get back to ceremonies. Let's talk about ceremonies. Things that are, are being revived over here in Australia is ceremonies, is language. There's some really amazing things happening. I know with my mobile home, we're we're starting to teach the Gangalita, the the Wanyi, and the Garawa tongue in our schools, which was systematically taken away from us by government policies and missionaries' interference and missionaries' invasion into our lands. Um, I, I want to get into the ceremonies first, but then I want to talk about, I guess, the, the similarities we have with missionaries' involvement or missionaries' invasion or interference with culture and law, which I think the Catholic Church were the one that came to St. Francis at Rosebud. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, we have the Catholic Church here, and, and uh, I guess it was a mission, mission school that was started, like, in the, was it 1890s, somewhere around, around that era. Mm. And so we called it Sapa T is where the black robes live. Yeah, the black robes. Well, the black robes have a lot to answer to because a lot of stuff going on with them at the moment in Canada, and I'm pretty sure they're going to come down to the States as well. But let's quickly talk about, let's go into the ceremony world because this is where you uh, have a very, very um, high purpose and, and certainly sit um, in an in a, um, important place amongst your people there at Rosebud. Tell me the different ceremonies. Like we, we spoke a little bit about Hamblacha and you went on your vision quest. Let's talk about that one. Then let's get into your role at the Sundance and what the Sundance means. And obviously, uh, Inipi, or, or Inipi, which is the sweet sweat lodge ceremony. Let's talk about that as well, brother. So let's, let, let, let's, um, let's delve into something that's really important to both of you and I, which is, I guess, our customs of doing ceremonies to bless our people and, and, and to find a better way forward. All right, right. I mean, ceremony is very, very important, and the creator is always always important before we do anything you know we'd always pray to the creator and and offer food before we eat and offer food to the creator and it was a story that i guess i heard from one of our elders a while back ago that the reason why why we pray before we eat i asked him how come we pray before we eat and he said it was a long time ago i guess maybe hundreds of years ago when our people were starving and the, the winters are bad and they orders out every direction to go and find meat, find game, you know, because our people, we, we love to eat, eat uh, buffalo deer, you know, we're, we're uh, people, I guess. And so they sent them out to go find find food, and they went, and the snow was so deep, the horses couldn't go, so they turned around. They lost the tracks back to the camp. And back to camp, they, they told the chief that here they couldn't, there was no game anywhere, and they came back, and it all income. And she, relatives on the other side, she said, they're starving. On the other side, that hill over there, she said, they're starving. They're hungry. And our people were starving as it was. So the chief told them, you know, gather what you can give. What 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 what, what you can give to this old lady. So they gathered, a, you know, a bundle of food, and they gave it to her, and he sent these warriors to take her back to her people. And they, they started going, and the blizzard was coming so bad, they said before the horse took a step, the wind was blowing, that, that uh, this track was covered up, you know, and this old woman was in front of them, and then pretty soon they lost her, so they couldn't find her track, so the warriors turned back, and they started going back towards camp before they, they lost their way, and they said four days later, this old woman come, she came back to the camp, you know, that people gave her that food, and she came over, and she said, or your generosity and your kindness, she said, for giving my relatives, you know, food over that hill, she said, as long as you guys pray before you eat, she said, your people will never starve. 
And I was like, wow, I wasn't about that anything to that old man tell that story because I never knew why we prayed before we eat. I just knew something that we do. And so when I heard that story, I was listening to this old man and I was like, wow, now I know why we pray before we eat. Because my grandfather always said, you know, don't think you know everything in this world because you learn something new every day. Mm, yes. And I learned something new. That why we pray and, and what that old lady was talking about, you know, her relatives over the hill. She was talking about her relatives, our relatives that are in the spirit world. Mm. So when we put out food, you know, we, we, we feed our relatives that done passed on and honor them. And when that old man told me that story, I was amazed by it because our people, no matter how much hardship we went through since, you know, the white man come here on our, on our land and took away to Buffalo, we've never starved, you know. We've always had something to eat. That's very true, and, and 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 that was that was my my thinking, and so I, I guess the the seven sacred rites that was brought to us by the White Buffalo Castle woman was the Sundance, the Humbletcha, the Vision Quest, the Inikakapi to make your life new again, which is a sweat lodge, the Sundance, and then the other three they belong to the women. You know, so I, I can't really speak too much about, mm. you know, the ceremonies that, that go on for them. But these seven sacred ceremonies, the White Buffalo Catholic woman brought to us um, she, over 2,000 years ago. And we still have the original peace pipe that she brought. My my uncle Overlooking Horse keeps it up there. and He's a, a pipe keeper. I've never actually seen it with my own eyes. But it's about faith and belief. I know it's there. Yeah, I, I've I've heard uh, you and I sat and spoke about Uncle Arvel a lot, um, and Uncle Arvel is obviously the keeper of the sacred pipe from you know the White Buffalo woman, um, and and recently I mean I want to talk about some of our elders in a minute. Uh, you spoke uh, just uh, briefly there about Uncle uh, Leonard Crow Dog, so I want to come back and talk about him in a second. Um, but firstly, you've just come out of the sacred Sundance ceremony, uh, which I've p- participated in. Uh, you know, and I normally come over and and, and share space with you and. I'm normally there with you for Sundance. Um, tell me about the Sundance. Why is it important? And your role in the Sundance is uh, you're regarded as, I guess, a holy man and, and, and the one that leads the songs at the Sundance and, I guess, all the different, um, you know, uh, protocols and process that happens when you're at the Sundance. That's something that you've inherited and that's something that you take very seriously. Talk to me about the Sundance um, and, and then we'll come back and talk about Uncle Leonard and also Mum Mary soon. Well, well, at Sundance, you know, I'm, I've, I, I'm not sure if any leader really, when I was 12 years old, you know, I, I didn't want to be a leader. I, I just wanted my grandparents to live and wanted them to be around for a long time. And, and so my grandfather, you know, Sam Wounded was, was piercing and he said he, he had diabetes. And I didn't know anything about diabetes back then. And he said that if he got pierced, he was going to stop bleeding. And I was checking him out. And I just danced out there because I wanted my grandpa to live. So I told him, I said, I'll pierce for you. I got a whole, you know, canvas that's unmarked. I'll pierce for you. I pierced for him because I didn't want him to, to die out there in the middle of the night. I was out there trying to save my grandfather. And here's another one of my grandfather saying that if he got pierced, he was going to die. So I, I pierced for him. And then after that, he said, Sundance, and you're in a, 
you better leave it for the people. Because uh, I guess he saw that I wasn't selfish and and I had a heart for the people. And, and so the next year, there I was. I was running there at the age of 13. Now I'm 38. 38. We just got done with it. Sundance ceremony, and it was a tough one this year. Really tough because we lost a lot of our relatives due to COVID, and we didn't dance last year. And super weird too that this year, you know, it was tough. It's hard, hard to go out and dance and pray. And on top, I just felt like, nah, I don't want to go out there. Mm. But the part of me said, you go out there and you dance. You go because when you Sundance, me and my own self, I believe that. I mean, I've, I've seen my relatives out there, and it's faith, a belief, and I guess you call it Wali Chala, is the ultimate belief in everything. Like one day I was sitting down in South America, and this little boy come up to me and asked me, Can you explain Kunkashla? Kunkashla is what, what we call God. Over there, it was, was it Bujiman? Bujimala. Bujimala down here is the creator, just like Tunkashla up there is your creator. Also, I mean, it's our creator because it's right. we just got the different different uh, dialects or the language, but it's, it's the same spirit being. It's the one that created us. Right, right. And like my grandfather said, one sun, one earth, one moon. So there has to be one God, but we talk to him in many, many different languages, many different ways. And he said, if you have a, a, a wide open view like that, he said, you're open to learning. But if you think that your God is the only way, you're never going to learn nothing in this world, is what he said. So, you know, that worry child is the ultimate belief. So that little boy asked me, can you describe the creator to me? So I was looking at him and I said, the best way I can describe the creator, like the wind. Up here, up north, it'd be cold, but when a warm breeze comes through, man, that feels good. When it's a hot day and a, and a cold breeze comes through, man, that feels good. I said, so the best way I can describe the creator is you can't see him, but you can feel him. Mm. It's like the wind, I said. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I understand exactly what you're saying, brother, because when, when we're out there in that arbor, you know, sun dancing and, and you're there for, you know, four days and, you know, uh, you got family out there piercing and, and, and suffering for the people, it's certainly times when you, you know, um, you feel that breeze come or you, or, you, or you have that moment where you look up in the sky and there's an eagle there watching or you look in the distance and you can see the silhouettes of your ancestors dancing and watching you and praying with you. Um, you know, the, the creator is always with us and always around us and, and certainly gets us through those really hard times. And right now it's very hard around the world. I mean, COVID has hit everyone. COVID's hit here in Australia again, and you know there's a lot of uh, suffering and a lot of hardships going on. So, to be able to go and Sundance again and and pray for the people, which is what it's really about, is to go there and give thanks for life and to pray for the people that are suffering, and to know that you you practiced that this year um, and went and done it, brother. I'm really proud of you, and I, I love you, and I send my love over there to our families, you know, to Uncle Adam and Brother Reno and Sister Trish and everyone that put so much effort and time and. Uh, you know, um, I guess all the work that goes into building the Sundance, building the arbor and doing the cooking and having the sweats, these are really, really, um, you know, uh, it's hard work. It's not easy. you got to work for it. So I just want to say to you, my brother, on behalf of me down here and all our family, we love you and we're so thankful that we have you in our life and thank you for 
you know, um, uh, comp- completing the Sundance this year because I know it was very difficult for the Redbird and the Bone Shirt family, the Redbird family, Bone Shirt family, the Walking Eagle family, and Sister Moni, you know, the Kills in Water family. This year, uh, you know, one of the, I guess, elders of our community in the Lakota people, um, we, we uh, she crossed over into the Dreaming last year, or into the Great Spirit World in November, Mum, Mary Sue, Redbird, Walking Eagle. Um, this was the first Sundance without her physically present there. Um, tell me how, you know, for you being there and knowing that Mum Mary Sue, for you, you call her Grandma Mary Sue, um, uh, you know, not, not having her, her presence physically there with you. I, I, I'm pretty certain and I'm sure she would have been there spiritually, you know, being cheeky as she always does. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, she was there most definitely. You know. Well, the first two days when we got there, I was kind of like, I got I got some blisters on my feet from getting wood and rocks and getting ready for to dance and I couldn't really move so and then plus I was I was kind of heartbroken and I really didn't want to go out go out to dance but but the people were there and people always need prayers but people still need prayers I told my cousins you guys run the first two days and then I'll, I'll run the last two days and I said I'll be here I'll I'll, I'll still go out and pierce people and. But I had to get, take the first couple of days just to get myself together and I guess get my my composure together and get out there and dance. And I guess amongst the Lakotas and our people, you know, as men, we try not to cry in front of our people. And and so I took a couple of days to get myself together. And the last two days I went out and I danced and I pierced. And this year it kind of seemed like it hurt a little bit more than before I got stung by a bee in my back, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and this, this, this year is something, something different. And I guess, you know, I, I lost my peg that I always first with. So Albert gave me another one. My little brother gave me another one. And maybe it was just my mind that was thinking, I'm not too sure about this sin because uh, I've never pierced this hit before. He's <laughs> a big scar. <laughs> And so I went out there and I pierced and, and yeah, shit. After I broke, it felt like a beast stung me in the back. I was kind of, oh shit. <laughs> oh, that one kind of hurt a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's probably the old people playing tricks on you because uh, Uncle Leonard Crowdog also crossed over and you mentioned you attended his funeral wearing the black cockatoo feather and, and the McCall feather from down in South America and, and the eagle feather, I, I feel so honored that you wore that uh, there to represent us down here, brother, and your family. Because for those of you who don't know who Uncle Leonard Crowdog is or was or, you know, still is and still will be for a long, long time, he was the medicine man, uh, a part of the AIM movement, the American Indian movement. And back in the 60s and 70s, when the civil rights movement was happening over in America, being led by, you know, Martin Luther King and, and I guess uh, Malcolm X in the early days. We down here in Australia was leading the land rights movement, you know, started off by Vincent Ngari in the early 1960s and taken on by Charlie Perkins and, and those warriors and, you know, picked up by the Black Panther movement and I guess Gary Foley and the likes. But in America, the American Indian movement uh, was happening and Leonard Crowdog was the medicine man and the vision, I guess, uh, the visionary that was, you know, doing the ceremonies, whether it was the Humblacha ceremony or, you know, whether it was Sinope, which is Sweat Lodge and Sundance and, the, you know, uh, the, the American government only in the 1970s, I think it was 73 or 75, that they uh, that they, they allowed the Lakota people to do the Sundance again because back in the late 1800s, 
there was a huge, I mean, they killed Sitting Bull's family and Sitting Bull himself because they, they believed that they were doing the ghost dance to help the warriors to rise again to dance. Um, so they outlawed and they banned sundance ceremonies, even though, even though as you know, uh, Wopila, it was still happening in secret and, and I guess uh, amongst our people over there at Rosebud and, and, and Pine Ridge. But it was in the late early 1970s when it was brought. Uh, it was it was officially given. I guess uh, the, the ban was off, and you could practice again. But Uncle Leonard Crowdog was very strategic and very smart, and and was one of the men that um, brought that back. And between I think it was 73 to 75, there was a a standoff, or there was uh, you know um, uh, let's just call it it was civil war between the Native American the, the American Indian movement or the Native American movement. And the American army, the American army turned up their tanks and guns to fight against them. And, and this is, people don't know this, but this is why Marlon Brando didn't accept the Academy Award in 1973 uh, for Best Actor for The Godfather. He was protesting because the American army was out there uh, firing on native people on their land in, uh, in Pine Ridge and Rosebud. Right, right. Yeah, so it wasn't how it was it seven? that we can practice our culture but our families you know in hiding and when the priest would come the police would come they would break up their pipes break up their feathers take them to jail mm. and there was a place i guess and yankton was in the same asylum is where they tried to haul all our holy men i mean it's it's just a uh another tactic i guess the government used against all of our people. Like if you lock up the holy men, then the people have nobody to follow, right? Yeah. If you if you kill, if you kill all the warriors, you kill all the chiefs. Yeah. People have nobody to follow. Yeah. Well, back with my brother Wopi Le Bad Hand of the uh, Sichanku uh, Lakotas over there in Rosebud, and we was talking about our elders and how important it was, I guess to take the stories and the wisdom from the elders. And uh, you know, we lost two very important elders in the Lakota. Uh, uh, amongst the Lakota people last year, Mum Mary Sue, uh, Redbird Walking Eagle, and also, of course, the great medicine man from the AIM movement, the American Indian movement, Uncle Leonard Crow Dog. Wopila, you was telling me about uh, Uncle Leonard and your connections with him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, Grandpa Leonard there, you know, back in the day, my uh, Grandpa Taylor married his uh, sister Delphine, and so they've always considered us, you know, still relatives and and uh so when the old man passed away you know i went down there to show my respects and and uh, uh, like i told you brother i wore your uh black cockatoo feather that you gave me and you know because you're very you're a very special person to me too so i, I put that in a um i guess kind of like a, a headdress type of a deal that i wore with some feathers pointing up and I put that in there with me and i, I went down there and i you know, showed my respects and, and, you know, a lot of pickups were getting stuck, you know, when they were taking them up on top of that hill. And there's that Adam, sister Trish, you know, they got off and they started walking, went on top of that hill because uh, Grandpa Leonard made it on top of the hill. And then the rest of the pickups, they all got stuck in some sand behind them. It, it, was, it, was, it was a, a very special moving mo- moment because, uh, you know, all our people, we, we, we got off our, I guess, our, in our, in our language, call them Yechianka na Ya is a car. You know, a, a big word to say a, a, a little thing, huh? <laughs> but our language is descriptive. So what we're describing in our language, Yechianka na Ya, something that you sit in and it goes. 
and the white man say it's a car. <laughs> but our language is descriptive. So it, he made us, you know, all of our people get off our, our cars and walk. We walked up this hill, you know, and, and I thought it was just around the corner. But there, there's Dad Adam walking up the hill and Sister Trish, and I found an old uh, an old road that went, uh, an old uh, four-wheel drive road that went another way. So, yeah, I went down and hey, Dad Adam has a nice truck, and I bought all that sucker up there. You know, cause I, I didn't want him to walk that far, so I was picking up people. Well, people were getting in the back of the truck, and it's a four-door truck, so people were getting in there, and then we got to Sister Trish. There was no more room, so I got out and I told her, keep on going and pick up Dad. And so I started running, and I, I thought it was just right there, but it, it was a long way around. Mm. Well, we, we got to a funeral site. It was it was a beautiful uh, thing off for you know a great man that you know gave a lot for the people and did a lot for the people, and you know he loved the people so much. And so after they buried him, you know I, I kind of went off. On my own, you know, smoking a cigarette, and some, you know, the style of Shane Redhawk come over and he asked me, "Hey, where we at?" And I was looking, you know, down, down, and, and Grandpa Crowdog's Paradise was just right there, and we kind of went went a long way around, you know. But <clears throat> so he asked me if there was a way to get those horses down because there's some beautiful horses that they, you know, they they led the way when they were burying uh, Grandpa Leonard. And so I said, I don't know. I said, you know, and I found an old animal trail. So I started busting down, you know, uh, branches and we led those horses down, you know, uh, lowered the barbed wire fence and we got those horses across. And Shane said, hey, what could I, you might as well ride that one back. And it's a beautiful white horse with uh, brown spots all over it. And, you know, I, I still had my feathers on. Of course, I was running, so I had no, uh, no shirt on. And it was a hot day, too. So. We're going down back down to Paradise, and it, it's been years since I, I rode a horse, maybe 10 years or more. And I got on that horse. The first thing he did, the sucker started bucking, so I held on. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, oh, shit, I'm going to get thrown off, you know. And the first thing I was thinking, hey, Vandenberg would love to see this one if I got bucked off this, you know, wearing my feathers. <laughs> that would have been funny for the cowboy. Yeah, the cowboy Brandenburg to be laughing at his Indian brother. At the, at the funeral of one of the greatest uh, native men, native leaders, I guess, or medicine men of our time, Uncle Leonard Crowdog. Well, one of the things I want to mention is that, um, you know, the American Indian movement, there was a famous documentary made about that period between 1970 and 1975 when, when the American army came there and attacked the Lakota people at Wounded Knee because the whole purpose of what was happening was the Lakota people took back Wounded Knee because it was being owned by, a, well, it was bought by a white man, if I, if I get this correct. A, a white shop owner um, or something is that is that what happened? Um, I'm I'm not too sure about you know uh, I, I might have to research that myself you know yeah well uh, there's I'm, a there's I'm, a well, there's actually a famous documentary that was made the reason I'm leading into this is because it connects to Uncle Leonard there was a famous documentary made oh, yeah, in, yeah. there's a famous documentary made by uh, Robert Redford about that period and about what happened and and um. Uh, you know, once Uncle Leonard set up Paradise, a uh, Crow Dog's Paradise, which is a, a sacred Sundance ceremony he did every year, and he invited all all races and creeds from around the world to be part of it. One of the fellows that attended it quite often was Robert Redford. Um, tell me something. Did you ever see any Hollywood stars down there with Uncle Leonard? Um, well, that day, you know, I, I, I went to go uh, show my respects. Like I said, a uh, I had Sister Trish tie up the feathers for me, and my hair's pretty, getting pretty long now, so 
I must have looked really Indian, bro. <laughs> but I, <laughs> with no shirt on, you know, walking that way. And and anyway, I, I got there and everybody's like, well, uh, you know, shake hands. And, you know, I said, which which way do we go to shake hands? And this young lady, you know, she come over and she's like, come this way. I went that way, shaking hands. And, you know, I shook hands backwards. I guess the hail cut that I am, you know. <laughs> I went backwards. I shook, I shook uh, all the chief's hands, you know, Uncle Dwayne and, you know, um, Chief Spotted Tail, Chief Hollowhorn Bear. And uh, I went that way and I was shaking hands. And then they told me, oh, the lion's over there. So I went and got in line. Coming back through, I shook hands again. I said, hey, Uncle. So I said, shaking hands again. <laughs> they said, what the hell? You already came through. I, said, I know. I came backwards. They said, oh, that's, that's who you are, you know. <laughs> anyway, I, I got in there and <laughs> to see the old chief and showed my respect to him. I mean, I loved him so much. And I guess I, I looked up. A lot of people looked up to him. And, and, and he's, I guess, when I was a young boy, it, it, he's what the definition of an Indian was, you know, I mean, he wore his feathers, he held himself really proud. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's, mm. it was tough. Well, my brother, I, I, I'll, I'll just say that um, you you certainly now becoming the definition of what a native man, what a, well, and, and a lot of our mob, we don't like being called Indian either, but, you know, we will say it here on here because uh, you, you now to me is the def- definition of what an Indian is or what a, na- what a native is, what a Lakota Sijanku man is. Um, and, and we're honoured to have you on the show and we're always honoured to have your presence with us. And, you know, we send our love to you and the family, to Sister Trish, the kids, um, brother Adam, uh, Uncle, Uncle Adam, I should say. Um, tell him to keep that sweat lodge nice and hot because the last time I was over there, it wasn't hot enough. I needed, I needed more rocks. Tell him to throw more rocks on there. That's how we can pray hard, son. Pray hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we yelled for the door. He said, pray hard, pray hard. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't even pray. But right now, me and uh, one of my other cousins, we brought, our, I brought Alu and you know, my cousin Russ brought uh, his daughter Zoe to the playground. So we're over here. And, and you know, like, like we always talk about time. Time is the most precious thing in the world because it's more valuable than gold and anything. And, because that's something you can never get back. That's true. Brother. I mean, gold, right. we could get more of that. We could get more of money, everything, but time. So we decided to spend some time here with the kids. And, I mean, they love it. And I told them, I said, hey, I got to talk to Uncle Alec and talk to, you know, people out there. And well, i tell you what, my brother. i, I, mean, I tell you what. You, you go and give that time to my nephew, Alu, and those no, kids. No. Because because right now I'm uh, no, we're, 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 we're going to finish up and we're going to have we're going to have more of these conversations. Um, so so we, we've we've had a good yarn today. We've, we've covered a fair few uh, stuff, but I, I want to finish up with um, with a song from uh, your family's singing group, the Red Leaf Singers. Uh, the next time we speak to you, brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the next time we speak to you in part two of Wopula Bad Hands, the Adventures of Wopula Bad Hand. Uh, we, we'll talk about the Red Leaf Singers. <laughs> we'll talk about some of the crazy stuff we got up to. But introduce this song for me, and, and you go back and hang out with nephew Alu and everyone, and and, and we'll uh, you know we'll do another interview again uh, in about a week or two time. Um, back, back to Sundance, uh, I, I was I was picturing you on the other side, brother, dancing there. And Shane didn't make it back, but uh, you know we we danced. And I was thinking, shit, brother Alex standing on the other side, be dancing there. Oh yeah, going for it. Yeah, brother. Yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about it quite a bit, and it's something that's really close to my heart. I can't wait to uh, come back over again and 
you know, hopefully I'll be attending Sundance in 2022 with your brother. Um, I know where my spot is. Uh, I got my got my mocks all ready to roll. Uh, still got, still got. Nice, still, nice. Maybe that's something we can talk about in the, in the next interview about uh, you know, our our crazy adventure towards the Sundance. How we first met that at the Sundance, and you know, you being the first uh person outside of my tribe that was invited to dance with us, you know. That'll be that. That'll be that'll be the next story we tell, my brother. So, talk me into this uh, song uh, here. Uh, talk me into this song from the Red Leaf Singers. This is your family's group, the singing group, and this was uh, recorded at the Black Hills Pow Wow in 2018. Talk to me about this one. Oh, so this is. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I was even there singing, but uh, this is one of our our our, our songs that uh, we. It's a, it's a tribal song, you know, and we we sing it all over the place and hopefully one of these days we'll get down to Australia and be singing it over there for brother and a lot of our relatives out there especially mom old mom let's let, let's try and get them down to, uh, to, to the next festival because uh, uh, I'm working on that right now we'll probably be we're, we're looking at 2022 or 2023 but um, Red Leaf Singers is certainly high on our agenda and and, and I want that singing group down here. So let's let's play this song. This is uh, Wopes' family, the Red Leaf Singers, uh, from his bad, bad hand side, his dad, Pat, and them. This is their group. This is Red Leaf Absolutely. Singers. Check this out. Thank you, Brother Wopes. You have a good day. Give my family my love, and I'll talk to you again soon, okay? Yeah, thank you, brother. I love you. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.